Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life, a podcast for all you seekers in the world, seeking a new home, a new job, a new perspective, a new life. And for those of you who have already gotten started by moving to a new place or feel a little bit stuck because you're back in the old place, we're here to keep you company as you explore the world. And this show is free, but you know in reality that it's not free. We work really hard on this show. We spend our time and our money every single week to bring it to you. And we do this hoping that you will also rise up and help keep the show going. Forgo a cup of coffee every month and commit to donating $5 a month. Write about the show on social media. Share it with your friends and family. Write us a good review. You've heard me tell you about the donate button at thebittersweetlife.net. And so today I challenge you. If you love the show, take action. Help us keep it alive and help us keep it growing. Now, on with the show. Welcome to New Orleans. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Katie. Uh, the awkward hello before visiting a, an uncomfortable topic. So we have been strangely silent on this whole hashtag Me Too thing that's been going on in the media now for, what, a month more mm-hmm. even? I'm not even sure. And rather than do an entire show about it right now, we've decided that we're going to send you back in time Back to, uh, you know, when we started this movement back in 2014. Yeah, because we did start it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there was a different hashtag back then, though. I can't remember what the hashtag well, was. I don't know that there was a hashtag yet. No, there, there was a hashtag because I remember sharing this episode with the hashtag that was floating around about stories of assault. Yes, I think it was Yes All Women. Yes, I think that's right. But I think, I feel like that one came right before the Me Too movement. So I don't know. I'm not sure when all the hashtagging and all that stuff came about. But either way, we did do a show way back at the very beginning of this humble podcast about sexual assault and traveling abroad and how sometimes when you're in a foreign place, you don't pick up on the signals as well as you might in other countries. So we thought we'd revisit that episode and invite your comments. And if we get enough comments, perhaps we'll do another one. Maybe we'll do a follow-up, a new one, a one that actually addresses some of the things that are in the news today and maybe more about our own experiences. I don't know. We'll see. Like you say, I, I think maybe we can go into it further in a, in a separate episode. But I just, the thought that I've been having recently is how this whole movement has made me more aware of what can be considered sexual assault or harassment and things that 
happened to me in the past, not the things that we talk about in this episode that we're about to play, but other, let's say, smaller things that at the time I shrugged off, but now that I think about it, I think they, they actually were assault. And it's a fine line and it's it's kind of being explored right now where that line is. And uh, it might be different for everyone. I don't know. I mean, from the woman's point of view, obviously, or let's say from the quote unquote victim's point of view, because uh, it's not always a woman, of course. But it's just given me a lot to think about this whole movement and the whole disturbing number of revelations that are that are coming out. Yeah. Well, well, why don't we plan on getting into that? So all of you guys get caught up, listen to this episode, send in your thoughts. If you're willing to share, you don't have to tell the gruesome details of your story, but if you want to, that's great. Um, you can send us an email at bittersweetlife at mail.com. We're on Twitter at bittersweetpod. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for the Bittersweet Life podcast on both of those. Anywhere you go, we'll find your comments and maybe we can add them to our future show. That'll be a fun Christmassy episode if we do that right before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Yay, sexual assault and Christmas. Yay. Also, um, keep in mind that the episode that we are about to replay was the first of a two-parter. So if you are interested, you can go back and I think it's all the way back to maybe episode 15 or something. I think it's 13 and 14, 13 but I'm not and 14. totally sure. Okay, well, just head back in our ar archives and you can find the second part of this episode if you're interested. Yeah, you're the biggest guinea pig on this too because back in the day when we first took this topic on and we were both kind of nervous to do it, you decided that you were going to share your story first. So once again, you get to share your story. And if people don't go back looking for mine, they'll never hear it. <laughs> so lucky me. But I think that keep in mind also that when we recorded this, the thing that I was talking about was several years in the past. And I had kind of I don't want to say gotten over it, but you know, it was not fresh and it was it was something that I could laugh about. I'm not trying to minimize what people who are assaulted go through, but in my case it wasn't something incredibly traumatic. I mean, it was unpleasant, but you'll you'll hear about it when you listen to it. But Katie's on the other hand, was very, very fresh. And it was, I believe, more traumatic for you than my, my situation was for me. So I do think if you're interested in this topic, you should go back and listen to part two as well, because what Katie went through, you know, it was, it was fresh. It's a little bit more um, relevant and vivid. Yeah. And I think in, in tone wise, because it just happened, I think that you can kind of hear the nervousness in my voice in talking about it which I think relates uh, to what people are talking about right now is why don't people speak up? And in a way, I've been asking that same question too, but then I remember doing this episode and how difficult and even how nervous I was to even talk about it for some reason. So feel free to chime in on that as well if you uh, get in contact with us later. Oh, one other thing before we launch it, uh, I just want to give a shout out to Expat Sandwich which is another podcast who recently did an episode with you and me. And it's the current episode that's out right now. So you should definitely go check it out. If you want the behind the scenes look at the making of The Bittersweet Life, go find Expat Sandwich. Listen to their most recent episode. And maybe you'll have the interesting uh, experience that I had. If, you're, if you've been an all along listener, Marty Walker, the host, really digs back into the archives and pulls some clips I have not heard. <laughs> since the dawn of this podcast so 
Did you have that experience where you were listening and you, and it's your voice talking in one of these clips and you have no idea what you're about to say? Um, yes, but I have to say, since I don't edit The Bittersweet Life, I have that experience pretty much every week. Um, <laughs> you're going to have like, that listening oh, to this. I, I, f- I kind of forget what I had said. You know, sometimes you cut things out that I think you're going to leave in and sometimes you leave in things I think you're going to cut out. <laughs> so I always have that kind of feeling. But of course, it's much more so when you're listening to something that you haven't recently taped. So yeah. I did feel that, but not as much probably as you did. Well, and we also had the interesting experience of when Marty interviewed us for Expat Sandwich's latest episode. She interviewed us separately. So I had all those moments too, listening to it where she'd say, so Tiffany, what do you think of Katie or or something like that? And I'd be like, what is she going to say? Oh my gosh, I hope it's good. Yeah, like I can't stand Katie. This is a little known secret that I've been trying to hide for for the past 30 years. Yeah, right. (laughs) Boy, you're really doing a poor job. Well, actually, you're doing a great job of getting uh, me to believe that you actually like me. Anyway, um, so yeah, check that out too. And don't forget to send us a note about your Me Too experience and we'll put it all into a future show. Yeah, (laughs) sounds good. Without further ado, here we go. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. Ongoing conversation about what it's like to be an expat living in a foreign country. We're both in Rome. I'm here temporarily, so I'm the temporary point of view. I'm here for a year, and Tiffany is ongoing. She's been here for the last 10 years. Yeah, and today we're going to talk about experiences that we've had while traveling that have been a little bit less than savory, a little bit unpleasant. If not downright awful, yeah. basically. And scary. Very. So uh, so when we finish, make sure to comment and leave your experiences that you've had, too. Yes, you can email us at bittersweetlife at mail.com. And you can also visit us online at thebittersweetlife.net. And I know, .net, not cool. I get it. But, you know. Well, we're very late. We're coming very late to this party. Yes, I could have paid for the .com, but I didn't want to give some guy money just for owning the domain name. I didn't think that was fair. So we're .net. So... Do you want to start or should I? You start because your your story is better. You're bolder. I appreciate your action better. Well, the truth is that I, I've told Katie my story before, but she has not told me hers because it just happened a few weeks ago. So, uh, so I'll, I'll be as interested as you to hear, hear what happened to her in Spain. Yeah, so we'll have you go first just so you can raise the anticipation level. Right. So I was in India in 2007 traveling on my own after a very, very bad breakup. And I was in the city of Agra. Now, I don't know if any of you have been to India, but if you have, you've probably been to Agra because that's where the Taj Mahal is. And with the exception of that incredibly beautiful building, Agra is a horrible, horrible place. (laughs) As if you've been there, you surely know. And I was in the city. It was actually near the tail end of my trip. I'd been in India for about five weeks and really loved most of my experiences there. And I was at the Taj Mahal. And I, as I said, I was alone at that particular moment. And there were all of these people outside the Taj Mahal, Indian men, and they were sort of trying to sell themselves as tour guides. Now, a little aside is that 
I used to be a tour. I still am actually a tour guide on the side. I don't do it a lot anymore, but it used to be my main source of income. And when I first started out, I had my own sort of touters, as you might call them, who were sort of drumming up business from people just walking around tourist sites, drumming up business for me. So I kind of took a little bit of, you know, I saw sort of a, a kindred spirit, if you will, in this in this man who was trying to make a buck uh, by being a tour guide. And it was a very reasonable rate. I think he was asking me something like 50 rupees. I mean, it was something so small that I thought, you know, even if all this guy does is take my picture, because I don't have anyone else to take my picture, you know, it'll be worth it. So so I say, okay. And he was a middle-aged man, probably in his 50s. And we walk inside, and his English was very, was pretty good. So we're walking around the um, courtyard area, if you will, or the, the outside space. There's a large outside space with reflection ponds, if I remember right. It's been a while. But um, so we were walking around, and he was taking my picture in all those classic spots, you know, and giving me a little bit of history, very basic, extremely basic history. I'd read all of it in my tour book already. He said, do you want to go into the Taj Mahal first or do you want to go into the, the, the mosque first? Because there's a mosque on the left-hand side. And I thought, why don't I save the best for last? And let's go in the mosque first and then we'll go in the Taj Mahal at the end. And I happened to notice that as we were walking around, every so often with his arm, he would sort of brush the side of my leg with his swinging arms, you know? His arms were swinging. So it technically, it could have been an accident. And I thought, oh, whatever, this is just an accident. Now, um, obviously in India as well, I think if you're there for a long enough period of time, you start to sort of figure out how things work there. And you realize the very delicate relationship between men and women in India that's very different from how it is in the States. And I think I was on higher alert. Like if some random American guy accidentally brushed my leg with his fingers, I don't think I would get upset about it. But in India, there's a certain amount of respect that is expected towards a woman. And if you don't give her that respect, it's because you are looking at that woman as in a certain way. And that's is a very big deal in India. It's not like in America. <clears throat> so we're walking around and we go into the, mo- the mosque. And he starts explaining to me some things. And he keeps sort of doing this every so often, brushing my leg. And I'm starting to get a little bit annoyed at that. I mean, at first, you must think that uh, he's just accidentally knocking into well, you while yeah, you're walking. Yeah, that's what I thought at first. And that's what women are taught to think. Women, I think, are really, whether, you know, I'm not saying anybody teaches us this on purpose, but we end up thinking, oh, no, that's not what, no, that's not what he means. Oh, don't be silly. Don't be, don't flatter yourself. He's not, he's not trying to, you know, this is what we as women, unfortunately, often think. And, um, and so we go inside and he says to me, so over here, and he points to the side where there's a little gated sort of area. And I had been in India long enough and in enough mosques by that point to know that that was the area where the women were allowed to be. And, in a, you know, generally in a, in a, in a service, in a, a Muslim service, the women are not mixed up with the men. And so I knew that was the women's area. And he pointed over and he said, that area over there, that area. Wait, can I say, can I swear? <laughs> I just realized that, that this is, I can say a swear word, right? You can. We just have to remember to label this one explicit. Okay. Goodbye. He said, that is where they do the fucking. But he had a little bit of an accent. So I thought, no, definitely I didn't hear right. I turned to him and I said, what? And he said, yes, over there, that is where they do the fucking. 
with a little like mischievous grin on his face. And I thought to myself, well, first of all, that can't be true because if this is a mosque, <laughs> there's absolutely none of that going on. <laughs> and secondly, I knew that that was the women's area. And so I, t- I just turned to him and I said in a way that I would probably never have said to a man from my own country or a Western man, I just said, watch yourself. To show him that I was aware that he was not behaving properly. And I turned to take a picture and I had a pair of linen pants on. I since learned in India, you're not supposed to wear normal clothes. When you go to India, it's better to wear the salwar kameez, the typical Indian dress, which is, you know, the very, very loose pants and the shirt that goes all the way down to below your knees, split up the side, and then a little bit of a shawl over your over your, around your shoulders. And now I never understood, you know, I knew that that was the traditional dress, but I didn't know why until a friend of mine explained it. She said, you are not supposed to show, even if it's completely covered, you're not supposed to show your behind or your crotch. Even in pants, you're not supposed to show the shape of it. Hmm, interesting. Because that is too much of a temptation for men. So that is why you have this long shirt that covers you And then on the other hand, you have the scarf because that hides the shape of your breasts and it just sort of hangs across your your chest. So, of course, I didn't know this. I knew you were supposed to be covered. I never wore shorts and I never wore tank tops. But I, you know, I think at that day I was probably wearing a short sleeve shirt and long linen pants, white pants because, you know, it's very hot. And I was taking a picture and all of a sudden I felt the same hand, the same swinging arm, although we weren't walking, reach up. And it hit me right between my legs. Uh, And I don't mean on my ass. I mean between my legs. But it was very brief. And I turned around and I said, Tiffany, this was not an accident. You can't keep lying to yourself and saying that this guy is just accidentally touching you. And at first I turned around to sort of tell him off. And then I thought, wait a minute, I don't want to, you know... I don't want to be with this person anymore. First of all, we were alone in this mosque, even though it was very, it's very open. There's huge arches leading into the outside. I turned around immediately. I said, this tour is over. I'm not paying you. I want you to get away from me right now. And I started walking away. If he had been smart, he would have disappeared. But he didn't. I think he wanted that money. So he followed after me. And he was like, no, no, you don't understand. I didn't mean to. I didn't. Uh, I don't, you're confused. I look up. I see the Taj Mahal. And this is one of the most beautiful things in the world. And I've traveled quite a bit. And I don't think I've ever seen anything, as far as a building, that has been made by a man that is that beautiful. And I'm counting all of the churches of Italy. (laughs) It is incredibly beautiful to see, from the outside anyway. And I thought, whenever I think about the Taj Mahal, this is what I'm going to think about. And I felt a little bit sorry for myself. And I started crying even though I didn't really feel like I'd been molested. I mean, it technically was a molestation, but it was very light. It was very brief. <laughs> and and so, I, but I started crying. And I started walking through this very crowded area. And I, and I saw some Americans, and I, and I tried to ask, or some, anyway, English speakers, I tried to ask people to help me, even though I didn't really know what I needed help with. And people just ignored me. They were very rude wouldn't talk to me and they saw that I was crying and and, I, and I, that also upset me because I thought you know if, if a tourist came up to me crying I would help them you know and the guy keeps following me finally I said what am I doing why am I walking away from this person I need to I need to report this person so I saw 
a guard, an actual uh, uniformed guard, and I tried started to tell him what happened, but he didn't speak very much English, so he started to take me to the office of the administration. All the time, this tour guide is following us, and now he's talking to the guard, and he's trying to explain to the guard why I'm so mistaken, why I'm so confused. I end up inside the administrative office. There's a, a, a man or two in there, and they are obviously high up in the organization of the Taj Mahal, and they speak perfect English and in business suits, very professional. And I'm still kind of crying, and I walk in, and the tour guide walks in right behind me, and he immediately, in English, starts trying to justify himself to this man who works there. And he says, oh, she doesn't understand. She, she goes confused. She's confused. Uh, and he turns, the man in charge, he turns and he says in the most dignified voice, a lady does not cry for no reason. And so I sat down and they actually took the guy away. So I didn't have to explain the story in front of him. And I started to explain the story. But when I got to the point where I had to tell him what he said to me about the, this is the area for the fucking, I couldn't say it. I couldn't say it because, not because I couldn't say it to a man. I would have had no problem saying it to an American man or an Italian man. But it was because I know how, again, how delicate that relationship is between men and women in India and how women are expected to be, you know, very modest there. And so I didn't want to say this to him. And so he went and he got uh, a, one of his colleagues who was a woman who was e even higher up than him. And uh, I ended up sitting down with her and I explained the whole thing. And I said, you know, listen, I, I don't want to make any trouble. I'm, I don't want to press charges against this guy. But I think you should know because I don't want some other tourist, maybe someone younger and more vulnerable, to have an even worse situation than I've had. And she said, I appreciate that, but we want you to press charges. Will you press charges? And I said, on one condition, because it was getting kind of late in the afternoon. And I was leaving the next morning. And I said, I need to visit the Taj Mahal. I need to see it. And uh, and so she uh, she said, OK, well, I, we have one of our official tour guides. He will take you around and then you can go to the police office and you can make the report. So first I go and I, with this very nice tour guide who was, you know, who was definitely more prepared than the other. And he walked about a, a meter and a half from me. He wouldn't get near me. <laughs> And he's been warned. Yeah, at a certain point, he turns to me and he says, I guess his curiosity got the better of him. What happened with the other tour guide? And I said, he behaved inappropriately. <laughs> and he said, after a pause, how am I behaving? <laughs> and I said, of course, absolutely fine. And it uh, it was a great tour, and he used his little flashlight to show me how the, the the marble and the stones in the Taj Mahal are translucent. And that's what makes it so beautiful, because it absorbs the light of the sun. So if it's sunset, it's pink. If it's a pink sunset. Anyway, it's a great tour. I end up in the police station giving my report. I had, I had written it all out. I had signed it. At the end of, uh, at the end of my little meet, you know, my little meeting with these, uh, these policemen, Right before I was about to go, I couldn't help it. I had I was so curious. I said, what's going to happen to this man? And they looked at me like I was kind of stupid. And they said, oh, he's in jail. So uh, He's still in jail today. <laughs> I'm, later I met uh, a friend who had lived in India for a while. And she said, you know, the way it works in India usually is if it's a small crime like that, 
they don't send them to jail very long for maybe a couple weeks, but because they don't want people to try to go to jail on purpose because they can get free food and lodging there, they beat the crap out of them before they're taken to jail as a detriment. So the guy was probably beat up and, uh, and taken to jail. But if it stops him from molesting, you know, some 16-year-old girl who doesn't have the wherewithal to stand up for herself, then it's definitely worth it. So you feel good about it. Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, it was a bad experience, but now it makes a great story. <laughs> did the um, did the woman, when she said that she wanted you to press charges, did she tell you why she did? No, she didn't. But I assume it's because one of India's biggest industries is tourism. She probably realized that if people start to talk, some girl who got molested, quote unquote, at the Taj Mahal by a tour guide goes around the world and tells the story maybe people will start thinking that India is a dangerous place to visit. And so... So do you think that people now think that <laughs> India is a dangerous place to visit? Not, if so, not because of my story, but because of, unfortunately, what's been going on and what we've been hearing in the news in the past year, yeah. which is serious. And, and, I've al- and I always wanted to go back to India after that trip. I had such an amazing time, despite that and a, few, a couple of other unpleasant situations, none of which were that, quite that bad. I've always wanted to go back to India, but I have to say... I'm thinking twice about it now, not because of what happened to me, but because of what I've heard in the news lately. Yeah, all the rapes and such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's hear about your well, story. Well, unfortunately, my story isn't, doesn't have such a good conclusion if you count having somebody beat up and sent to jail being a good conclusion. Uh, well, Although, I hope it also didn't include molestation. Well, I'll let you be oh. the judge. And we have to leave it there. Hey, it's Katie. Coming to you from my window above a late night crowd that's out dining at the pizza place downstairs. And we're not leaving it there just because I'm so nervous for you to hear my story. I want you to hear it. We're leaving it there because of limitations on our own website. However, we will be uploading the second half of this episode within the week, if not within moments from when you hear this. So be sure to make sure you download both episodes of Assault and give us your feedback bittersweetlife at mail.com. Thanks for tuning in.